we're carrying on with our series. Um, we've been looking at the book of James, and it's been more of a how-to series rather than a through-the-book series. Um, and we've been thinking about uh, how our faith should affect our actions and our behaviours. Um, so we've had Jez talk about how to grow. We've had Mzizi talk about how to deal with temptation. And this morning, we're looking at how to deal with anger. Um, so let's have a look at the verses straight away. Uh, we're going to go into James 1, verse 19 to 21. So if you have your Bible, then do turn to it. It should appear on the screen as well. Oh, this is handy because I can see the same at the back. We don't have this in the full. Um, okay, so James 1, verse 19 to 21. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So the verses talk about being slow to become angry. And I wonder if you would consider yourself an angry person. She says, smiling. <laughs> There's an analogy about anger where you can be um, a rhino or a hedgehog. Um, so if you're a rhino... When you're attacked, you're provoked, and you attack back, and you show your anger. But if you're a hedgehog, um, and you're, a, you're, you're angry, or you're threatened with anger, um, you tend to withdraw a bit more, and you kind of hide away. Now, Martin is a rhino, for sure, <laughs> um, and I'm definitely a hedgehog. Um, so it's quite handy when we were planning this together. But we were trying to think of examples in our own lives about when we get angry, and um, I found it so much easier to think of examples when Martin gets angry <laughs> than when I get angry. Um, so we were talking, and I was saying to him, well, you know about your road rage? And um, I don't really get road rage because, well, I always think I'm the worst driver on the road, so I can't get angry at anybody else. Um, but Martin drives, and, and as I'm sure a lot of you will empathize, we get down to that Cookmere Bridge, that infamous bridge that's just narrow enough that only one car can go at once. And... Um, if you're on the side where it's your right of way, so you're coming from Seaford, and somebody dares to come across, when they have definitely seen you at your side, they've got to see Martin's face as they drive past, and he will glare at them as they go, and he will show his anger that it's his right of way. But I know when we're driving back from work the other way, and he's been waiting there for maybe 10 minutes, he'll see a gap, and he will go for it. And if somebody dares to try and stop him, he will show them his anger. Don't they know how long he's been waiting for? <laughs> Martin's driving rage got so bad once that he even um, rung a driving instructor's company because the instructor was driving, thankfully not a, a learner, and, um, and Martin was really angry at the way they were driving. They weren't driving correctly. So he made a note of their registration and the phone number of the company. And when he got home, he rung them up and said, this instructor should not be working for you because of his driving. Um, he is a rhino, especially on the roads. Um, and he's not here to defend himself. He was going to jump in at that point, but he's not here. So. Um, now, as a hedgehog, if I'm shown anger or if I get really angry, I definitely just withdraw. I usually just cry because um, I'm a bit more of a wimp. And uh, <laughs> I tend to, if I'm really angry at something, I'll go home 
and I'll rant at Martin about the situation afterwards. Do you know what they did? I'm so angry about it. Or I'll text some sympathetic friends. Amy's had a few of these, and I'll WhatsApp, and I'll just wait for them to reply and say, yeah, you're really justified. You can feel angry about that. And I'll think, oh, good. I can be angry. Um, but just because I react as a hedgehog uh, and not as a rhino doesn't mean it's not anger, and it's not still the same anger. Um, so we were chatting about these examples, and then... Um, Martin was happy to remind me of some of my times when I've been particularly angry. And uh, he brought up the times we played board games together. Um, lots of you know about Martin's competitiveness. The youth guys here know particularly about Martin's competitiveness. Um, but not so many of you know about my side. Um, so we play a game called the Settlers of Catan. Some of you might know it. And... Um, if we're playing just two of us together, which we don't do anymore because it ends in tears, um, <laughs> or it ends in a rhino, either way. Um, so if Mart is losing, and it doesn't happen very often, but if I am winning this game, which I'm really pleased about, he will let me know that I might have bent the rules slightly. Or if he'd have gone first, it would be the other way around. Um, or, hold on, if I have one more roll, Polly, then I'll beat you. That's not how it works. But he gets so angry when he is losing that game. Now, when I'm losing, I think I'm all right. <laughs> but Martin reminded me that I get just as angry. Um, but in my hedgehog way, I become a bit disinterested in the game. So if I'm losing, which happens quite a lot, I might start texting on my phone. I'll start tidying the table. Oh, is it my turn again? Oh, I didn't even know. All right, here's my turn. Um, and I'm, I am frustrated and I'm angry about the game. Um, but I simply withdraw from it rather than attack it. But it's, it's all anger, isn't it? It's all, it's all the same, really. So you might relate to Martin. You might think, I am definitely a rhino. Um, I charge when I am angry. Or you might be a hedgehog, a bit more like me, and you withdraw, but you vent it at somebody else outside of the situation. Maybe you're somebody who writes Facebook statuses. We've all got friends who vent their anger on their Facebook status. And then you see people commenting, and it enters into a whole debate. And sometimes, if you've ever written one of these yourself, you'll get somebody you haven't spoken to for a year, but they'll see your anger, and they'll come and comment on your status as well. And it's quite satisfying um, to share your anger online. What all these ways have in common um, is that our anger is usually fueled by somebody hurting our pride. Regardless of the situation, it usually comes down to our pride. So as a parent or a teacher, if a child is misbehaving and you feel angry, it's not because of their behavior. It's usually because your pride has been dented that you don't have the control you want with this child. I know that as a teacher, when I have to talk to a parent and say, your child's behavior is not as it should be in class, sometimes they will react with anger towards me. And I know they're not really angry with me, but I know that I've hurt their pride. Because I've hurt their pride, they think, this person doesn't think I can control my children, or this person doesn't think I'm parenting the way I should, and that brings out an anger in them. When a colleague gossips about you at work, or maybe emails your boss behind your back, and they can accuse you of, of different things, you feel angry towards that person, but isn't it really your pride that's been dented, your pride that you no longer have control over your reputation in that workplace? We can see anger in other people so easily, and um, children show it really well. They don't know yet how to hide it, 
uh, like we do, especially us hedgehogs can hide our anger. Um, but if you've got children of your own or you're a teacher, you know that clenched fist look when they don't understand something that they can't do it and they, they kind of bury their eyebrows down and you know, you have children that just put their head in their hands on the desk. Um, the looks children give each other when they're angry at each other. But we tend to hide it a little bit more. And I wonder if we always recognize it in ourselves because we can hide it so well. And we do need to recognize our anger and we do need to confront it because it is that selfish anger in us that robs us of God's best for us. Anger isn't something that God is unfamiliar with. God gets angry. Jesus got angry. And there's no instruction in the Bible not to get angry. God is more concerned about what we do with our anger so that we're not robbed of his best for us. That's why he gives us those verses that we read. Um, and it's three verses, and they come quite nicely into three sections that we're going to have a look at. There's a what, a so what, and a how to. If we have a look again at verse 19, that's our what. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Verse 20 is our so what. Why should we do that? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Whenever I see the word righteousness, it always throws me and I have to go back and think, what does that mean? Um, it means basically, verse 20 means that that selfish anger in us, if we're not slow to become angry, then it can rob us of God's best for us. Verse 21 is our how to. So how do we do that? God says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry so that we can have his best. How do we do that? Verse 21, therefore... Get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. When we think about why we get angry, we can often replace that verse 20 and justify it with our own argument back to God. We think that we know what's best for us. It's our right to be angry at that dangerous driver on the road. It's our right to be angry at the person who jumped the queue ahead of us. It's our right to be angry at the person who gossips about us. The trouble is that that anger doesn't bring about the righteousness of God. Now when Jesus got angry, that's exactly what his anger did. So we're going to have a look at an example from John 2, verse 13 to 17. And this is what happens uh, when Jesus gets angry. That's John 2, verse 13 to 17. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove, out all, and drove all from the temple courts both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, 
Zeal for your house will consume me. What angered Jesus was that the temple was being misused. And the temple, which was meant to be a place of worship and of prayer, had become a house of trade. A place where people of God went to meet with God had become an overcrowded farm where greedy men sought after their own personal gain at the expense of God's glory and his people. Jesus' Jesus's anger was driven by two factors, his father and his father's house. And he showed zeal and passion and intensity about it. He didn't choose this occasion to be meek and polite, because if he had, he wouldn't have been heard above all the commotion going on in the temple. So he really went for it with a lot of passion. But he had control. We all know that when we have intensity and passion behind our anger and we really go for it, it doesn't really draw people to us. It tends to make people steer clear of us. You'll know, um, again, as a parent, or I'll use the example as a teacher, um, if you're pushed too far, and all the teachers in the room know that secretly this happens sometimes, if you're pushed too far and you lose it with a class for a minute, it doesn't gain you any respect. It doesn't make you an approachable teacher for that lesson. The class might be quiet for a few minutes, but that's all you've gained from it. So when Jesus has this intensity and this passion, and, um, and he throws people out of his temple. What happens next shows us that actually his anger is different from our selfish anger. Because when we read this account in Matthew, it then goes on to say that the blind and the lame then came to him in the temple and were healed. The children were singing Hosanna to the son of David. People were driven from the temple. The baddies were driven out in his anger, but in that same controlled anger, children were drawn towards him. You can read it in Matthew 21 for yourselves. The account shows Jesus more as a hero, um, and he returned the temple to its proper state, because his selfless anger led him to a zealous action which produced good. So Jesus got angry, and we get angry. But God doesn't leave us without instruction on the how-to, how to handle our anger. In the verses we've been looking at, uh, that beginning bit that says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. When we're faced with a situation that provokes your anger, how about we try thinking about, instead of being quick to gossip, Let's be slow to pass judgment. Instead of being quick to shout, be slow to escalate the situation. Instead of being quick to ignore others, be slow to exclude people. Instead of being quick to interrupt somebody, be slow to disagree. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. They sound like nice ideas on a fridge magnet. But how do we do that? How do we handle our anger in those ways? Remember verse 21 is our how-to. So that says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So we're instructed to get rid of all moral filth and evil. Moral filth and evil sound really harsh. 
So how do we know what is classed as filth in our lives and what's just a bit of a smudge? Well, think about the things in your life that lead you to being consumed with anger. What is it that really gets that anger bubbling inside you? Is it when you lose a bet? Is it when your favorite team loses a game? Is it when you get overlooked for an interview or a promotion? Is it when you lose at online gaming? Last night as I was going to sleep, I was praying. I was like, God, please tonight let Joel sleep through the night. And as I finished that sentence, Martin opened the bathroom door, switched the light that goes, and then Joel went for it. The anger I felt at that moment. So I got up and I went to Joel, and he's just learned to stand at his cart, which makes it look even worse than it is because he's there holding on like he's in prison and crying away. So I think, right, it's all right. It's only, you know, it's half ten. I can still get a lot of sleep in before getting up in the morning. So I laid him back down, tried to shush him to sleep, and I went back to my room. But as you close his door, because it's one of those ones that, well, it's not one of those ones, we've done it to it, but we've got a new carpet in, and it, it kind of goes shh as it goes across the carpet. Um, and it kind of clicks, and you have to use both hands because it's quite stiff, so it goes as you close it. And we've even tried using the drop hinges, and I think we've dropped it down rather than drop it up. Um, so he was just settled. Martin's in bed, I'm well. I go to move the door. <laughs> and then he goes off again. I'm thinking, it's all right. It's 20 to 11. I've still got so many hours sleep I can get. <laughs> so we start again. Um, and then I do the thing you shouldn't do, and I picked him up, and I thought, oh, I shouldn't have picked him up. <laughs> and then I did the thing that you really shouldn't do, and I put him in bed with me instead. And he drifts off to sleep. And I think, okay, my anger is going away now because I know I can get my sleep. And then he snores so loudly. So I put him back in his car. And it goes on and on. And my anger is building. But I know I'm not angry at Joel. I'm not even angry at Martin for waking him up. <laughs> I'm angry because if I don't sleep, I can't preach well. And if I can't preach well, what will you all think of the preach? It's my pride. That's why I'm getting angry. That my pride could be dented if I don't get enough sleep. Perhaps you've got a toddler. Perhaps you're in that stage. And when your toddler throws a tantrum in the middle of the supermarket, you can feel yourself being consumed with anger that this is shameful. You are the parent that cannot control that toddler in the supermarket. Maybe you've got the teenager who completely disregards what you say. Maybe you are the teenager and your parents dare to say that to you. Maybe you're doing a school project and you don't get the credit for everything you put in, somebody else gets that instead. Maybe you've got a relative who stops returning phone calls, doesn't contact your children, has completely lost contact with you altogether. That makes you angry. Maybe it's just that your spouse, and when they offer to take the dishes out, they put it next to the dishwasher and not in the dishwasher. <laughs> that might make you angry. We could just sum all these examples up with one word, pride. When your pride is dented is when you get overlooked for an interview or that promotion. When you lose your ranking online on that site that you've been gaming on or you've been doing really well on, your pride is dented. When you don't have the control that you want over something, your pride is dented. Whatever it is that leaves you fuming and consumes you with anger, 
Bible says, get rid of it. Now, in that verse, we're not only instructed to get rid of something, we're also told to receive something. The verse says, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. We've talked about pride, having our own rights to be angry, and they're what cause us to become angry. But here we see the remedy is the complete opposite of pride, and it's humility. Humbly accepting the gospel allows us to let go of our pride. And there's no better humility and no better example of being slow to anger than when Jesus was falsely accused, unfairly tried, mocked and beaten. He had every right to be angry. He had every right to call down an army from heaven. Yet humbly and quietly, he went to the cross. He was being slow to speak quick to listen, and slow to become angry. That is the gospel which saves us, and it changes us. It changes our pride to humility, and our anger into trust. So what would we as a church look like if we were a humble people who were quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry? Because when we really get the gospel, we are clothed with humility. We get rid of pride. We acknowledge that whatever injustice comes our way doesn't even come close to what Jesus endured for us. And rather than getting consumed with anger, we get consumed with a zeal for God. And our hearts align with his. We'd be known as a listening people. We wouldn't flip out at the drop of a hat. And equally, we wouldn't bottle up our anger like a hedgehog and explode at a different point. What if we were known for only getting angry at suffering, injustice, and oppression? And it caused us to pray zealously and act righteously until there was change. Surely people would start taking the church a bit more seriously. As they see a people who love, that are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Maybe people who are not in the church would then come to realize that we're not angry with them. God certainly isn't angry with them, and that his anger has been spent on the cross. 